Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Momming Autism Podcast, where we are providing a positive platform for parents to share their stories about raising special needs children. And today we have the opportunity to have Taylor Bernard with us of Taylor's Journey with Cerebral Palsy. You can find her on Facebook. And she is going to share with us her unique experience about growing up. So we are your hosts, Amanda DeLuca and Katie MD. And Taylor, if you could um, just give everyone a brief description um, of your um, title, because I know that you um, are a disability advocate and you're um, a college student now, but just kind of let everyone know um, a little overview of your life and your journey. Okay, so um, I... My name is Taylor, I'm 19, I'm a freshman in college, and I'm a social work major. I'm also a twin, which is kind of a factor in my whole um, diagnosis um, story, just because um, premature birth is really common, and twin pregnancy or multiple pregnancy, my, diagnosis which is cerebral palsy is mainly a result of prematurity but also a result of medical malpractice because my mom um had an incompetent cervix when she was pregnant with me and my twin and she also had an infection in her placenta and she was on a medication that was keeping the infection from spreading and starting the labor and she was on um, bed rest in the hospital but her doctor wasn't there one day and she had a different doctor and they decided to take her off of the medication and that's what started the labor um it started on a friday night and we were born at 2 2 p.m on saturday afternoon and I was three months early, so yeah. So Taylor, can you kind of talk about um, just growing up and um, what that was like with siblings and for your mom? Um, Because we talk a lot about, um, you know, IEPs and school environment and what that looked like for you. Okay, so um, I I went to um, a private, preschool um my twin went there too and then when I went to kindergarten um I had an IEP and I have was in mainstream classes for my whole um like kindergarten through high school my all of elementary school I was in um public school but then in um, middle school, I switched to private school, so I only had an IEP kindergarten through fifth grade um, because of that. And um, like school-wise, like academically, it was good. But at um, IEP meetings, I definitely, because as I got older, like I got to be a part of them, and I definitely remember my mom. I would always. We talk about it still, like, she would get this voice, like, not mean, but just, like, 
really stern. And the first one I went to, I asked her like, why was your voice like that? And she said it was because if she didn't do that, then they would like, it helped them like listen more, I guess. And we always laugh when this meme comes up on social media that says like, leaving IP meetings with my mom after my accommodations weren't followed. It's like a Yoda with fire coming out of his head. So that's kind of how that was. But like, I mean, I kind of learned my advocacy skills from my mom. So that's kind of how like IP meetings in public school were. But yeah. I call that my mama bear voice. Yeah. Have you seen those memes floating around where it's like a grizzly bear and it says the same thing when you walk into a meeting and you find out the IEP hasn't been followed? Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think um, we feel like if we don't um, speak sternly at the table that either A, they won't take us seriously or B, um, we'll get emotional. Um, yeah. Because, it, you know, there's a lot of emotions at the table. So, yeah, I call that my mama bear voice. Yeah. Um, So Taylor, can you talk about um, moving out on your own and starting college? I read that on your Facebook page that um, that was part of your 2020. And I can only imagine um, as a mom myself what that would feel like um, because you know that one day your kids are going to grow up and they are going to feel empowered to do for themselves and I think like you said you learned your advocacy from your mom which is amazing so I um, can only imagine the pride that she felt during that time for you um yeah so I um started looking at um colleges um my uh junior year of high school and pretty much from the beginning I knew that I was gonna stay in state just because of um services like medicaid and stuff like that and also it was it would be easier that way because i'd be closer to family so um and i also knew that i needed a small school um because i do better with more like one-on-one being able to talk to professors and stuff like that so um i toured a lot of different schools but i ended up deciding on one called Longwood University. That's about an hour and 10 minutes from where I live. Um, And I live in a dorm, but I have caregivers come throughout the day to help me with um, activities of daily living, like using the restroom and getting dressed and stuff like that. So Taylor, is your school virtual or are they holding in-person classes? Like here in Ohio, where I'm from, a lot of our universities were allowing students to live on campus, but most of their classes were virtual just because of the pandemic right now. Yeah, um, we are allowed to live on campus. um, And obviously we have to wear masks at all times and things like that. But the way they set up a lot of our classes last semester was basically they'd split your class into two groups. So it was hybrid and one day you'd go on Zoom and then the other day you'd go in person. But that kind of started to change towards the end of the semester. We ended up going more virtual 
just because of cases in the state. On campus stayed pretty stable, but they kind of went by state recommendations. So, gotcha, gotcha. So you um, are going to college for social work, right? Is that what I read? Yes. So can you kind of talk about um, how you made that decision and what inspired you and what you hope to do with that? Um, I, so I was always between uh, psychology and social work. I actually started out as a um, psychology major and then I ended up changing it because I had always been between those two and for one of my like degree requirements, um, social work was one of the classes you could take to fill like a human behavior um, like requirement. And so um, I ended up taking that and I realized that um, like it was more about interpersonal relations and um, psychology. Yes, it is about counseling and things like that, but you have to do, um, it's a lot more research-based and science-based, which isn't really my strength and I don't really enjoy research and stuff like that. And all I was looking to do with a psychology degree was eventually go on to counseling, but there's a lot of different fields, more different fields you can go into with social work. Like you could do uh, medical or you can just do clinical counseling. They also have like school social workers and foster care and adoption. And so I just chose that because I have strong interpersonal skills. And so I felt like that was a better fit for me. And also because I feel like in a lot of ways, like I can bring another thing to the table because a lot of things that, you know, social workers are um, there for is like in a medical setting or a school setting or, you know, some type of setting where, you know, kids or adults are struggling with these like uh, lifelong things or like, life-altering events that are unexpected and so I felt like I could really help with that because of my background just like my life experiences. Absolutely. Um, So one of your recent blog posts um, you talked about how challenges change us and you focused on mental health and relationship rebuilding. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about that, especially for parents who may um, be listening, who are seeing um, some mental health struggles in their own children, or maybe even themselves on um, what that looks like for you and what um, you're doing to try and work through that? Um, Yeah, so I I, um, have, um, ex- like struggled with anxiety and depression since I would say I was probably about seven and I'm 19 now. Um, my mom kind of already um, had been through it herself at one point after I was born and so she knew she knew like what to look for and she saw it and kind of pointed it out and then, From there, um, I started working 
with a psychologist and I've basically been with the same psychologist since um, the age of seven. Most of my mental health, well, like the depression side of things stems from the fact that my cerebral palsy is a result of medical malpractice, like I think I mentioned before. So basically the fact that it could have been prevented and it wasn't just like made me, made it worse because, you know, I was angry because it shouldn't have had to be this way if they would have done what they were supposed to do. And um, also just because, you know, I saw other like kids doing things that, you know, I couldn't do. I grew up alongside my twin who played all these sports and stuff. And I didn't actually get into adaptive sports until I was probably like 10. But that's actually something that really helped me through my grieving process because it gave me an outlet. And I mainly struggle with anxiety now. I struggle with both, but I've n- I've dealt with it for so long that through counseling and stuff, I've kind of learned um, like my things, like I can tell when I'm going down, like when I'm going down into a spiral and if I can't stop it, I at least can like prepare for it and make sure that I have more sessions with my therapist and that they're aware. And I have a big support system with family and um, close friends. And I also take medication for it. So that helps a lot too. So um, my son will be seven in April. Um, And the thought of um, him speaking to a therapist I think is so powerful because at seven years old, there are so many big emotions um, that even at that age, learning the coping skills, I think would be so beneficial instead of waiting. Yeah, and even now, even now, like when I am much better at handling it after so many years of dealing with, you know, something like that, like I still, have counseling regularly because I think that it just helps me in life like period even if I'm not going through a really hard time I just think that it's really important for people to continue to go to therapy regularly and that's kind of something that my parents always trusted me like that therapy was important and that it had helps them in the past so that's probably part of why I think that way but it's really helped me a lot. I love that um, your parents were so supportive um, of that decision because I I think a lot of times we um, as parents struggle with is this the best thing should we be doing this should we be pushing Um, and the fact that you can look back on that now and and recognize that they were helping you by pushing is um, could give some parents some hope in making that decision for themselves. Yeah. So you talked a little bit about adaptive sports. Can you talk about that a little bit, um, especially since you said it was such a positive outlet for you? 
Um, yeah, so I started with a local adaptive sports organization called Sportable. I live in Virginia, if I didn't already mention that. Um, and they provide um, adaptive sports programs for people with physical disabilities and then also for people who have um, visual impairments. So I think the first session I did was hand cycling and I really liked it. And so I just kept trying different sports and like, you know, I have a lot of physical limitations. So I think the thing that it really helped with at the time that I started was that I felt like I was doing something that like my friends and peers did and my twin. And from there I ended up doing swimming and then I did an adaptive triathlon. After that, I worked personally with my coach while I was training for that. And then I've also done wheelchair racing, which is basically like kind of a version of like a manual wheelchair, but built a little differently so that it's faster and you push the wheels differently. And I did a 10K in that and I came second place in the um, like adaptive women's division. So that was cool. And I just, it allowed me to try a lot of different things and like realize that just, and like reaffirm for me, I guess, that just because I have a disability doesn't mean that I couldn't do certain activities. And I also, before adaptive sports, I spent a lot of time sitting on the sidelines at my sister's like sports games and tournaments and stuff. So it was kind of cool for me to be able to actually participate after that too. And that's so many accomplishments um, for you. You did that, you committed to that, you took the time. And I think that's so amazing. Yeah, I definitely think that, I don't know what I, I don't know what I would have done during, like when I was growing up, like late elementary school, middle school, if I hadn't had like that outlet, that physical outlet because like me having a physical disability makes it harder for me to do physical activity, obviously. And physical activity is like the main thing that releases um, like, you know, serotonin and stuff in your brain. So if I didn't have that, I can only imagine how much harder that time would have been for me. Like it came at the perfect time. That's amazing. Is that something that your mom sought out for you or is that something that your therapist has suggested? How did that come um, into your... My mom actually, um, she joined their board. She was joining their board. She became a board member. And so through that, like as soon as that happened, she was like, hey, I signed you up for this hand cycling um session that's for a few months and it's through this sports organization you should try it and i she already signed me up but i was all for it and i ended up loving it so it was through my mom and i think she kind of heard about it through like 
our local special needs parent community. Like we just knew of people who'd done it, but we didn't know them well at that point or had like to the point where we would explore it, I guess. I love that. So um, you have talked about um, advocacy um, being one of your passions and you learned that from your mom. What has that looked like for you um, on a personal level or um, advocating for others? Um, Well, um, definitely first on a personal level, I think I mentioned that I went to private school and um, middle school and high school, which was great for me academically and in middle school, like accommodations and things like that weren't an issue. But when I got to high school, they became an issue. And so I was like basically talking with administration every day, like in their office almost every day saying the same stuff until I was like blue in the face basically and so that's kind of on my person on a personal level when it really ramped up and um yeah that was a hard time for me but it definitely showed me that like not to give up because that stuff was important even when they didn't listen to me Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, what what advice would you have for another young adult who may be listening, um, who also um, may have a physical disability or may have, um, you know, a mental health um, struggle right now, or um, even for children like mine who have, um, you know, a behavioral disability. What would your advice be for them since you have kind of walked this path um, for quite some time? Um, a lot of things trying to narrow it down. Um, <laughs> so I would say like definitely, um, you know, uh, utilize your support system, your family, your close friends, like, I don't know what I would do without my support system. I'm fortunate enough to have a great support system. And then as far as like people um, in a similar situation to me who have a physical disability, something that I really struggled with was like asking for help and feeling bad that people had to help me do so much. And so like, I either wouldn't ask or would ask like only when it turned into like a bad situation, I guess. And I would say like, learn from me, know early on that it's okay to ask people for help and don't feel like you shouldn't need to ask them for help because what you need help with isn't your fault and it hasn't, It has nothing to do with like you as a person or anything. So you shouldn't feel bad for for asking because people just don't know. Like they really want to help you and asking for help, whether with mental health or like something physical, like isn't something to be ashamed of. 
I think that's so important across the board. I think um, people are talking about mental health now more than they ever have. But I, I think like you said, people still struggle to ask for help because um, they're worried about how they'll be looked at or what other people will think or, um, and we, we do need to continue to work to get through that. And I think, um, like you said, going to school for social work and wanting to be a counselor that you can really make a big impact um, in helping people get through that. Yeah. Um, what about advice for parents? Um, you know, we um, feel like we are doing the best that we can. Some days, some days we feel like we have failed um, because we may have lost our temper or um, are short on sleep, so are short on our responses, or you know, are pushing too hard or not pushing enough. Um, what you know, watching your mom, you know, um, coach you for so long and work with you. What advice would you give parents um, from a, a a child or young adult's perspective? I mean, I would say like. Um, no matter what your child's limitations are, like you're um, you're the one there for them. Like you're the one modeling things for them. So, like, think I think big as far as like goals for them and things that they can do in the future. Like. Um, go to college or something like that even if like society says or doctors say that they're not going to do this they're not going to do that my parents got told that so many times and they chose not to believe that and i think that's a big part of why my support system is the way it is and why i'm in the place in life where i am now because if they had believed that then i don't know what my life would be like that's so beautiful. Katie and I share um, a mutual friend, Cheryl, um, and Cheryl constantly talks about um, shattering the can'ts. Katie, is that is that how she says it? Yeah, I think so. It's you know, it's an interesting thing when you have a child that you know, for us that we're trying to, you know, protect and, and we're trying to help and we're trying to support. And as a parent, you have all these roles that you're taking on. You're more than just mom when you have a child who is, you know, needing you and depending on you. And, you know, as a parent, I think for myself and, and something that Cheryl, you know, has said lots is that when you're in this role, raising a child that, you know, needs to be supported in whatever way that looks like. You are you are told more than more times that you than you can count on your hands and toes of what your child will never do and that they cannot do something or that they won't do something. And to hear that as a parent, it it you know it doesn't only crush you but it almost breaks you. But for some parents and and my you know our story with you know our son and our life. Um, every time I heard that, that there was a cannot or would not or will never, um, that was more fuel to our family's fire that I fought that much harder and I spoke that much louder and I, you know, supported my son that much more every single day 
to show that regardless, you know, what a piece of paper says that he's diagnosed with, that he will live his best life. He will have opportunities. He will be able to do, you know, whatever is in his story and journey. And we're going to help him get there. And I feel like, you know, it hurts so bad when we hear those things as parents because we want our kids to live their very best life. I want my son to have the world, the stars, and everything in between. Um, but it is hard as a parent to hear the cannots and will nots. And, you know, for our journey and our story and, and our life that we live, I've heard that more times than I can count that our son Avery will not and cannot do things. And time and time again, you know, I am so incredibly proud of, you know, our son because he has showed the world and showed our, you know, our community and our family and friends that he will do those things and he is doing all the things and then more that we were told he would never do. And I think it's so important to remember um, that, you know, these can'ts can turn into cans and wills in their own time. Uh -huh and in their own way. But just to think, um, Taylor, of you, you know, moving to college and going to college and being able to speak up for yourself and advocate in an administration office for what you knew was right. Um, your mother has to be so proud of you because I can only just imagine what that would feel like to watch my son do those same things. And I could cry over it because that's just what I do here. But it's just so, um, it's so inspiring to know that um, there's hope. Yeah, I, with, even now, like, I don't know what, like, if I, even like, now, like, I will say college definitely doesn't look anything like what I imagined it to be, even with, like, my disability, but it turned out better than I could have imagined, even with all of the, like, obstacles that happened during the semester that I wasn't expecting. And that's all because I had hope that it would get better, even on the hard days. Well, to add into, you know, moving into school even as a freshman okay now let's add a pandemic that no one has ever lived through and there's no manual for um your last half of your senior year was virtual as well right yeah. so those are those were those um experience were is were also altered and you know um it adds a whole new level of complicated i think yeah um, did, did your sister end up going to the same school as you or different? I'm just curious just because, um, you know, you guys were twins and you always see moms that, you know, want their twins to, you know, in the same class at school and dress the same. Um, no, Sydney, um, she goes to University of Tennessee in Knoxville, which is about six and a half hours from where we're from. Gotcha. I was just curious just because, you know, with siblings that are close in age or, you know, like you guys twins, how that. Yeah, like our schools um, and actually my mom believes this too. Um, they like to separate twins just because they think that it gives them like different friends and stuff when you're already home together. 
Like, people kind of group you as one person when you're twins, but, like, being in separate classes and stuff gives you, like, your own friends and identity and stuff. So, yeah. Did your, did your school push for that or your mom? Well, both. Like, the way yeah. that our school, like, district area did it, like, they suggested that and my mom already, like, wanted that for us. And also, we just, we have different personalities, so I couldn't, she likes, like, a big, like, in terms of college, likes, like, a big school with, like, big sports, but I go to a small school where they don't have that, so, like, it just, we have different needs for, like, school and everything else, so I don't think either one of us could picture ourselves at the other person's school. (laughs) (laughs) I get that. So Taylor, um, could you let everyone listening know where they can find you on social media? Because like I've said, I think a hundred times in this episode that your story just provides so much um, hope and is so inspiring. And um, as a mom, I feel like cheering you on just because I know um, how proud your mom has to be. Like I've said a hundred times, it's usually Katie who says all the things in X, Y, and Z a hundred times in an episode. Apparently this time I found my taglines. I love it. <laughs> so, uh, um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Um, my Facebook page is Taylor's Journey with Cerebral Palsy. And then my Instagram is Taylor's Journey with CP, all lowercase, uh, no apostrophes or anything. So, I will, um, I will type those in the description so that people can find them. Um, but thank you so much for joining us, Taylor. Um, it has been so wonderful and it was truly thank a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Until next time, everyone, thank you and goodbye. <laughs>